Zechariah chapter 4. Be praying for Brazil. Um, I, I don't know what the final result is going to be yet, but they're in political uh, I don't even know if you would call it upheaval or but the fact of the matter is 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 they're, they're in a, in, embroiled in a very intense presidential election that they've already had one vote. Um, and their system, of course, you know, is a, uh, if they don't have an election on the first vote, they have a second vote. I'm just explaining a few things to you. And uh, they did not have an election on their first vote earlier this month, and they will be having a second round of elections on the weekend that we are supposed to arrive. Of course, that can bring with it uh, political upheaval and uh, uprising and unrest. I'm not overly concerned about that. They usually take folks like me and Dr. Martin and hold us up in safe places, so I'm not concerned about my safety, but there's something that leads me to what I want to speak just a few moments about tonight involved in this. Uh, I, we're a little bit up in the air right now about whether that this trip is going to happen, uh, or at least right now. It will happen. It may not happen week after next. We don't know yet. Uh, but what is going on is in the middle of this election, that they actually have a very far right candidate and a very far left candidate. They're not even close. They're uh, both on the outskirts of this, each spectrum. So it's a very, I guess what I'm trying to say there is it's a very polarizing situation. And which brings me to a few things we're going to get into in just a second. But what is happening, the reason that these crusades may be delayed is because while the churches, the Christians in Brazil are lining up and rallying for the proper candidate, they have abandoned all um, importance of the work of God on behalf of the political system. It is a very clear example of what can happen even among some of the godliest people in the world. And by the way, Brazil has the largest population of Pentecostal believers in the world. There are more Pentecostal believers in the city of Sao uh, Paulo, Brazil, in the city of Sao Paulo, Brazil, than, than, the, than the entire United States, one city. But the coordinators are telling us that, that this is why we're in limbo, that the election is so taken over the minds of the churches and the people that they're not interested in doing the prep work. They're not interested in doing the set up. They're not interested in the flyers. They're not interested in any of the legwork because they're interested in getting a candidate elected. That's a balance problem. Now I could say that's their problem and to some degree I suppose it is, but it's a reflection of some things that I'm going to spend just a few minutes talking about lest we lose sight. I'm going to tell you, well, it's what Zachariah is fixing to say, but I'm just going to tell you flat out out front. We, we do have a place. You hear me preaching about, you heard me preach last Sunday night 
that we cannot, we are not to check out of this world. We're in this world, we're just not of this world. And we are to occupy until he comes. And everything about being a believer, a Christian, and what this book says affects every aspect of my life. And it should yours. It should yours. There's no such thing as a political preacher that's preaching truth. Just so you know that. There's no such thing as a political preacher when he's preaching truth. But whenever politics becomes our source, we are in a dangerous place. God does not allow mixture. And he will have no other God before him. And while we should never be, we can't, we are smart enough people to, to it's not even really a nuance. It's really just pretty cut and dried, the priorities of importance. And since we are, since we are complex creatures, we are. Some people don't know anymore that you can think about more than one thing at once, and you can, and you can, and you can have, uh, you can handle more than one thing. But the number one thing better be the things of God. Now, it, it, it's probably not going to be a shouting message tonight. <laughs> in light, let's say it this way, in light of what has once again been said over Mag Church about what we've been called to do, and the mandate that's been given. By the way, I believe it. I was the first one to tell you. <laughs> and I have not talked to all these people that come in here and almost quote verbatim. And believe me, they got better things to do than watch our live stream so they can come play spiritual parlor tricks on a church. God's speaking to the church about what he would have us to do. And I think it's probably a great... Uh, uh, I'm really standing here being measured and saying some things, uh, laying some things out very deliberately. I do that a lot lately because I want to watch my tone and I don't I want to run my ability to articulate what I'm trying to say. And I don't want you to lose the message. It would be very easy to start trying to make things happen. How many of you know when God gives a promise, faith arises quickly, and it should, because the promises of God are yes and in him, amen. But what also arises, especially when it bears witness with you, whenever when it's being verified, it's, a very, it's very tempting to begin to make things happen. to manipulate the situation, to give God a boost. You say it however you want to. I told you a few weeks ago that most of the time we get ahead of God. If, we, if you're going to miss God, most of the time when you miss him, you miss him by getting ahead of him, not behind him. People are, I was just afraid I was going to miss God. How many of you ever heard that? said that, felt that. Most of the time, it's the urgency, the push, is to move without him, to help him out. Example. Abraham, you're going to have a son. And you'll be the father of many nations. Talking to a 100-year-old man, 75-year-old man at the time. It was the promise. Sarah laughed. She did. But then they accepted the promise. But when the promise didn't begin to happen, when they thought it would happen, and I'm not coming here tonight to talk about I, that God's going to slow roll while he's going to do it mag. I don't think the world's got time for a slow roll. 
I, I'm, I'm just, I want us to understand some things. You know what happened. Sarah began to come up with a scheme that, that Abraham would have a child with Hagar. And indeed he did. And because they believed God, but didn't wait on God, you can believe God and mess up. You've got to start out by believing God. Abraham believed God, Paul says, and it was counted to him as righteousness. If any man comes to God, he must first what? Believe that he is, and that he's the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. You've got to believe God. But you can believe God and make a terrible mistake. Abraham believed God. He's the father of our faith. But when Abraham decided that God needed help, that's a circumstance that we are still paying for today. From the almost from the dawn of time, Abraham before the law, before Moses. There's Abraham. And today, we are still paying for Abraham and Sarah believing God, but operating in their own power. When that happens, see, it didn't stop. I want you to hear something. It did not stop the power of God. If you've messed up, you ought to go ahead and relax. If you've got ahead of God and you made a big mess of it, go ahead and relax and go ahead and believe God because when we look at the life of Abraham, we know that Abraham and Sarah messed up in a big way, but it didn't change God's promise. They still had Isaac. But when you move in the ways of the flesh and you begin to try to help things out, you, bear, you get the result of it. And what ended up happening, as you know, it says, And Sarah saw Hagar and Ishmael. That's a really interesting statement. Sarah saw. You go do a little reading, a little digging, what you'll find out. It said, it said that they, they, they taunted Isaac. Now, you think that's just some schoolyard bully. Or maybe, I mean, you've been through some. Anybody ever been taunted by a punk? I have. Don't you love a punk? Hmm. No, when Sarah saw, what she really saw and overheard was, was Hagar with her son, who was the son of the flesh, not the son of promise. What he really saw was a plot beginning to take shape, a, a scheme beginning to play. See, Sarah's scheme, but so could, it, so could Hagar. And what began to happen was the son of the flesh and his mother was really actually plotting the destruction and the death of Isaac. Which would have been the destruction of Israel. Jacob. All the patriarchs, their children. All the lineage of Jesus Christ. God's plan. Father Abraham messed the world up when he believed God but thought that he could take things on himself. Hmm. What are you talking about? I'll insert the text right here, and then we'll come back. Zechariah chapter 4. 
verse 6 for the sake of time. Then he answered and spoke to me. This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, saying, It's not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Who are you? O great mountain. It means O great authority. Who are you? O great mountain. Before Zerubbabel. You shall become a plain. And you shall bring forth the headstone or the capstone thereof with shoutings, crying, Grace, grace unto it. It's really a prophecy with Zerubbabel coming out. When they come out of bondage, they're, they're rebuilding the temple. They're rebuilding the wall. And they're up against the mountains of authority that says that they can't do it. And God is prophesying. God, God is, 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 is speaking through an angel, through a messenger to Zerubbabel and telling him that it's going to be done. But it won't be by your might or your, or your power. It will happen by my spirit, says the Lord. I might add, period. He said, when you look at this mountain, this huge thing that you're up against, this impossibility that you are facing with rebuilding this temple after all these years of captivity, it's going to look like an insurmountable task but it's going to it's going to happen the, the 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 authorities and the powers that are holding it back are going to fall and you're going to bring forth the capstone that is the finishing header of its completion Zerubbabel you are going to do it crying grace grace into it He had the promise. And God gave him clearly the order at which it would be done. It still speaks today that it's not by might. It's not human strength. Might here talk, is talking about the, the strength of man, the armies. It's not human strength. It's not by power. It's not, it's not by political might. It's not by human strength and it's not by political might that it's going to happen. But it's by my spirit, says the Lord. I might add to you whatever God has promised you that you believe him. That's the first thing you got to do. You got to believe him. Listen, he's declared, he's declared the word over Mag Church, over this ministry, over my life. I mean, I'm part of that prophecy that I, I, was, I came here, I was brought here for this time, for this place, for this region. But I know it's not about me, it's about him. It's about this body. It's about all of us together. And we believe the word of the Lord. I, I will speak for me, I can't speak for you. I believe the word of the Lord. I believe it. God can work in that. Now we have to be careful. Lest we find ourselves in a situation where we have an Isaac while we were waiting on our Ishmael. Because I'm going to tell you whether it's your personal life, whether it's your family life, your church life, whatever relationships, whatever it might be, that God has promised you things. If you don't pursue it in a spiritual way and you don't follow God and you don't understand that you can't make anything happen, that you can believe Him and trust Him, walk in Him and, 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 and move when He moves, then what's going to happen is you're going to produce an Ishmael. 
and on your way to your Isaac if you don't give up. I am thankful. i got to tell you, I am thankful that even when I mess up and produce an Ishmael, that if I will still believe, he will give me an Isaac. But the problem is that you still have an Ishmael. I'm going somewhere. And it's going to apply to you. It's going to apply to your family. It's going to apply to your relationships. It's going to apply to your job. It's going to apply to your church. It's going to, it's going to apply to every aspect of your life because we are going to, if I have to drill it in our head that, we, that, that, our, that this salvation and this life of living for the Lord is all-encompassing. I don't have a home life and a church life. If you do, you're already conflicted. I'm not any more spiritual or less spiritual at, at, at home on Tomcat Trail than I am here. Now it's taken me a while to get there. And sometimes I'm a little less spiritual and like when you're on your way to the wheelhouse and you get a ticket in Port Natchez. With the missionary in the car. But I mostly kept it between the lines. Okay. No. I can't preach about self-control and, and that being who you are everywhere you go. Now I'm going to tell you, it took every ounce of self-control I had when that cop took my picture through the window of my car. Now y'all can just watch all this and I, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just being frank with you. Because I'm going to tell you, that's just, that, there's stuff going on that we accept, accept as Americans that it, 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 it raises everything I got in me. When it went, can I, is it okay if I just tell y'all the truth? Whenever he's read everything I got, and I know he's giving me a ticket, but he comes and he says, uh, is there, do you have a good phone number I can reach you at? I want to say no. You ran my stuff. You know everything there is to know about me. Now, I'm just being frank with you. Do I think it's, some of this is authoritarian? I do. I do. Whenever he says, do you have a place of unemployment? It is none of his stinking business where I work. But my wife is here, and I said, I am the pastor of Mauriceville Assembly of God. That's who I am. And then he pulled that little device he had back and took my picture. And I got to admit, everything in me wanted to grab it out of his hand and throw it over his head. I ain't lying. But see, fruit of the Spirit is self-control. So I smiled at him. And I had a wise old preacher one time tell me about church trouble and church people. I mean, no problems, people. Problems, people, and they're everywhere. I said, what is the secret to being a great pastor? He said, that's easy. I said, good, I'm glad it's easy. He said, work with those who will work with you and smile at the rest. And I was waiting. He said, no, that's it. Work with those He'll work with you and smile at the rest. He said, the people that'll work with you, you'll get things done. The people that you smile at, it'll make them mad. They'll wonder what you're up to. I told you all that to tell you it burned me up. It burned me up. It chapped my hide. I didn't care that I got a ticket. I've got, I'm a big boy. I can handle a ticket. I can handle that. 
Because I also know I'm going to call the court and say, I'll pay the fine, but how much more money do you want to keep it off my record? I know I'm going to do that. But even if I couldn't do that, I'm a big boy. I can handle a ticket. You still with me? I'm telling you this stuff for a reason because we're, we're, we're on a roll. We're going somewhere. Because I, as we were going on to eat, it affected my meal for a little bit. I'd be lying if I didn't tell you. But I was smiling. I think the missionary was, more, was madder than I was, if you want to be frank about it. He's a radical dude. I'm going to tell you that missionary this morning. He is a radical dude. I think if he had been driving, he might have turked it out of his hand and threw it over the truck. I'm not, I'm not real sure. But you know what? I remember standing in front of people. My people. This people. And, t- and telling you over and over and over that if you have a problem with authority, you have a problem with God. And the, t- and the way to settle things is not on the side of the street and get yourself shot or hauled to jail. Although I would like to know sometimes who would bring me bail money if I needed it. You got me? All right. I'll feel better about it next time. I mean, sometimes you just got to know. <laughs> no, I'm talking about being who you are. Believe in God. Walking in the Spirit. Because, man, it, it was the Spirit that kept me from just showing out. I know none of you would ever believe it, but I mean, if you gave me half a chance and in the wrong moment and tired and no Spirit... I could show out. Don't say a word. Wouldn't be a place to say amen. Well, she said. <laughs> See, if you're, if, if you're not who you are, When, you're, when, when, when it's not all-encompassing. It'll produce problems. And that is literally how you get an Ishmael. By relying on your flesh. Your mind, your will, your emotions. My emotions could get me in trouble. And thankfully there was an Isaac. I'm still thankful there was an Isaac. But whenever there's a son of flesh, it will always try to kill the work of the Spirit. I'm talking to the church. I'm talking to Mag, the body of believers. I'm even talking to husbands and wives. I'm talking to parents of children. I'm talking to children. I'm ta- it, is, it is an application, a spiritual application for every point in our life that the Spirit of God is supposed to be the one who dictates what we do. And that is the right word. God is a God of authority, although he's not authoritarian. There's a difference. Hey, there's a difference between someone that has control and in control of a situation and somebody that is controlling. There's a difference when somebody that has authority at the job, the, the police officer, God is the God of authority, but he's not authoritarian. Oh, you, do you even know the difference? See, whenever he's not, when he doesn't have it all, you'll cross those lines. And what you're going to find out is when he doesn't have it all and you produce a son of the flesh, that that son of the flesh, it will, it will every single time try to pair up with the flesh and kill the promise. Now there's something that's foreign to us. Man, I feel like I'm always having to build a bridge to even talk about what the Bible says sometimes, even here, sometimes, because somebody's going to misunderstand you if you don't. We have got to get back to what the Word says, and 
set aside every well, uh, the, uh, the radical agenda that's affected every mind in this place? How many of you know when you live in this world, if you don't protect your mind with the Word of God, it will affect the way you think? Well, I could go somewhere, but I'll stay on track. I could demonstrate it for you. Make, I can make half this building mad in about 30 seconds and then pull you back. Well, I'll just go, God, see, God doesn't care that American feminism has destroyed the family and the order of, of divine covering. God doesn't care about that. He expects believers to read the Word and stand on what the Word says. That's just one example. He doesn't care about our Western mindset of fairness. It's a Western mindset. And it's a fleshy mindset, the idea of fairness. You're going to know what I'm talking about in just a second. Because when God gives you a promise, the promise belongs to Him. How many of you know the promises belong to Him? They're His. The promises of what? The promises of God are yes, and by the way, and in Him, amen. Who do they belong to? The promises of God belong to Him. There was only one solution for the Isaac Ishmael problem. Only one. And God gave it. He instructed it. He tells us about it in Genesis. Paul tells us about it again in Galatians. He uses Ishmael and Isaac as the example of law versus grace and spiritual adultery. It's what he uses in Galatians. When, I, when Abraham produced a, a son of the flesh, Ishmael, and Ishmael began to come against the son of the promise, and knowing that the flood of the flesh would kill the son of the promise, and then when you would all be in a mess, if they, if, I want you to keep in mind if, that if, if they hadn't have done what God asked and handled the Ishmael conflict and the, and the way God said it, that there would have never been a Jesus... And there would have never been a church. There would have never been a cross. There would have never been, there would have never been a Calvary. There would have never been a tomb. There would have never been a resurrection or an ascension. And there would have never been a day of Pentecost. There would have never been a way for you and I to come in. So if that doesn't frame the importance of what I'm saying, I don't know what would. Abraham caused the Ishmael. He did it. It's his fault. It didn't change the fact that Ishmael was never God's promise. Isaac was. And he is. God came and told Abraham, he said, cast out the bondswoman. And her son out it wasn't take him over across town and, and set her up in an apartment and, and, and go to court and set it up in child support and all those things now listen, don't you stay on track with what he's telling you he's not telling you to shirk your responsibilities in, in the natural senses he, this was a spiritual promise and a, and a spiritual time and the plan of salvation and whenever you mess up the spiritual things in this life you're still going to have to deal with your mistakes and the dealing with your mistakes are painful but they're necessary Because the son of the flesh would kill the son of the promise. I don't even know if you're hearing me yet. Cast out the bondswoman and her son. That's not fair. Fair had nothing to do with the situation. The consequences and the action that had to be taken was because of Abraham's disobedience, not because God's not fair.
all of this that I'm describing to you tonight, it's not by might, not by power, but by my spirit. The reason I went to Abraham and the reason I, uh, I talked about the sons of promise, the sons of, the sons of uh, uh, flesh, when we started talking about what happened, see, it's not by might, not by power. See, it's not by human power. It's not by political might. And when you get ahead of God, even when you believe, you'll produce a son of flesh and the son of flesh will be a son of destruction that has to be dealt with. And that we're still dealing with. But thank God the son of the promise was powerful enough when it was all said and done to deal with all of it if we'll believe him. Mag, we can't get ahead. I'm, 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 I'm talking as the pastor tonight. The one that's to lead this body through the coming weeks and months and years about what God's called us to do. It will be, tempta it will be tempting to start finding stuff that we think will be a quick draw and a quick uh, fix and a, and a quick what everybody else is doing. And some of it may look like what other people are doing, but we can't do anything unless we've prayed it through and God has asked us to do it. If we do it, if we can produce fruit. We can produce fruit quickly. But it'll be an Ishmael. Oh, there, I, I, you might be surprised and might not be surprised. I mean, in the last year and a half, there's been times not, not from the board. Not from leadership of this church, but there's been great pressure exerted at times to say, why don't we do this? Look, well, because the Lord hadn't, I can't, well, uh, why don't, well let's, let's set up a tent down the road and, and, and you know, some people never come to a church. I said, well, well, let's do that. I said, why would we do that? God hadn't asked me to do that. Why would I go set up a tent down the road when we got a brand new building sitting right here? Why would I do that? I'm giving you examples. Well, let, let, let's, start, let's start feeding the school staff up at LCM and all that. Well, I mean, there might be a time if God asks us to do that, let's do that. But, but what would that do if God hasn't asked us to do it? What would that do other than, than create uh, a situation where we have bills to pay and, and food that's eaten and the ball game goes on, the school keeps doing their agenda, and Mag just has less to do with? And everybody's tired, worn out and falling apart because they're stretched and stressed out and, and there was no spiritual fruit. Are you hearing me at all? I told you a lot of you were here. The most important event happening at Mag Church to date happens at 5 o'clock on Sunday afternoon. Five, that's when it happens. And following this service, we still pray. The second most important thing that happens at Mag Church is Wednesday night Bible study. Rangers, youth, and girls club. You say, well, that's all programs. No, listen to me. That is where people are discipled. That is where you learn the word of God. That is where you that is where children learn to behave. That is where they learn how to act in church. That is where they learn to say yes ma'am and no ma'am. That is where they learn that what John 3:16 says. That is where they learn to, to pull together and to get along. That see discipleship is, is more than a Sunday morning meeting. It, discipleship is holistic, it's spirit, soul and body. That it, the, the third most important thing we do happens at 9 o'clock, 9.30 on Sunday morning. Uh, it's called Sunday School. Believe it or not, and thank God for Sunday night people, because that's when we pray, and that's when we have this kind of conversation and this kind of instruction. 
The power of God that happens on Sunday morning for the people that you're trying to get here, for the visitors that watch online, for the family that you convince to come, for the uplifting that we need, and the power of God that can come in the room when we gather together. Sunday morning is the fruit. Sunday morning should be the fruit of Sunday at 5 o'clock. Sunday of, of, of discipleship on Wednesday and learning the Word on Sunday morning. It's the fruit. It's not the be-all, end-all. It is, it, is, it is the fruit of the, all the other stuff. If you want to know why the Assemblies of God has fallen flat on its face, boy, my superintendents and stuff don't like me to say stuff like that, but we're a powerless bunch of fools is what we are because we're falling for every gimmick that comes down the pike when, when, we, when we knew that the power was in the prayer room when we knew that the power was pushing your plate away, when we knew that the power was dealing with straight on with hell, casting the devils out, driving the spirits out, by the way, getting people full, and that with the baptism of the Holy Ghost was speaking in other tongues, but that is what made us great. That is what made us powerful. That is how we changed the world. And we, we have become fools because we wanted to be like everybody else. We don't need Sunday school anymore. We don't need rangers. We don't need any of this stuff because we got great Sunday mornings. Well, you got great Sunday mornings where people are entertained and they come and feel good and they leave bound, they leave depressed, they leave full of the devil, they leave, they leave suicidal, they leave and go to the divorce court, they leave, they leave, they leave, but they leave going to hell, half of them, 75% of them, but feeling really good about it. It's not by might, nor by power, but it's by my spirit, says the Lord. And if the spirit can't move in his house, and if people don't know that we got to pray, and that we got to fast, and that we've got to, that the price is paid in the prayer closet, and the lasting fruit is when all of these things are done. When you bypass all of the spiritual things. Are you hearing me? When you bypass all of the things that God has asked us to do. His, his word asks us to pray. Thank God we've had powerful prayer meetings. I'm not here bludgeoning and complaining. We have, no, the opposite. We have, we have seen the Spirit of God begin to reign on Sunday morning. Last Sunday morning, a week ago, I thought at any moment that, that we were going to get raptured out of this place. I thought if something doesn't change, they're going to tear the sheetrock off the walls. We were, I thought we're almost there. But that didn't happen because of Sunday morning. That happened because of Sunday afternoon at 5 o'clock. That's why. Because Jesus said twice. He cleansed his temple and said, My house shall be called a house of prayer. We're fighting in a spiritual war, an all-out assault against the demonic powers of this world. And nobody even knows that Jesus declared in Mark and in Luke that when you come up against demonic powers, he said you're going to have to have big faith to do it. And he said, and this kind comes not out, but by prayer and by fasting. We are never going to produce revival and lasting fruit on Sunday morning until we know that it's not by all the silly gimmicks. It's not by might. And we're not going to attain the seven mountains of faith. I could just get hot mad on that right now because it's affected my life and it makes me mad. That's power. It's not by power. I'll just go ahead and say it and let somebody watch it and get mad at me. If you're preaching that garbage, seven mountains of faith, dominionism, kingdom now, whatever you want to call it, it's heresy. It was heresy when C. Peter, when C. Peter Wagner wrote about it. It's been, it's been heresy every time it shed its stinking skin and come out as another stake. It's, it's heresy when Bill Johnson writes a book about it. It doesn't matter who writes a book about it. It's heresy. It's trying to do the power of God through the power of man. It is an Ishmael. It's an Ishmael. I probably just lost... Half of the people that, of the ten that left that like me. 
seven mountains of influence. I got news for you. The church is not going to take over the government or the education system or Hollywood or the, or, or the arts and entertainment or, let's see, education, entertainment, uh, government, church, or religion. There's three more. It doesn't matter. It's hogwash. It's hogwash. He never asked us to take over the world. He asked, to pre he asked us to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Should we be involved? See, every lie has some truth in it. Do you know that? Let me say it a different way. I used to preach it all the way to town this way when I'd preach against garbage like this. That, that, that lie, that a big lie will always ride in on the back of truth. Yes, we should be involved in all of this world. But there is nothing in this book that says that the church is going to take over the mountains of this earth. Nothing. And by the way, if you're believing that junk, it always turns into the same thing. It will turn into an authoritarian regime. It will turn into a quote-unquote Christian cult with an authoritarian leader. It don't, matter, it don't matter if you're my friend. Because my friend, if you're watching, I got one in particular. I'd love to name you right now, and you're my friend. You're building your own kingdom. It's an Ishmael. And if you don't repent, it will end the same way. Cast out the bondswoman and her son. Quit listening to your wife and get back to the Bible. I hope you watch it. Stop it. Church, it's not by might. It's not by power. But it's by my spirit, says the Lord. I'll put myself as the pastor of this church in submission to the word of God and to the leadership, the board of this church. This board and I, frankly, I'd be, if I was real straight with you, I'd tell you we don't even meet that often. But anytime they, 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 we don't meet that often because we don't disagree that much. <laughs> don't have that much that, that we've agreed on it and we're acting upon it. But what I would tell the board, if you're here, some of you are here, some of you are watching, some of you will watch later, that, that, that I am under your authority. And the day that you say that I've gone too far, you have the authority to say, Pastor, you're outside of the word. Come back in. Yeah. Because it's not my kingdom. It's his kingdom. It's not my church. It's his church. And he's a God of authority that he sets in order. It's not by might. See, we've got a great, we've got a great mountain before us. He's, he's, he's mandated us with the burden of this region. That's big. That's a mountain. It'll be by his spirit. It'll be in the prayer closet. It'll be with people, men and women of God, that get a burden to pray things through and to walk, and to walk in the spirit. It'll be when people are under mandate from heaven to their personal soul says that I'll push the plate away until I get a breakthrough. It'll be in obedience to the word of God. If you've produced an Ishmael in your, in your marriage, in your children, in your church, you understand that an Ishmael in the spiritual sense is not physical children. If you've produced an Ishmael, the only thing you can do with it is cast it out. Well, I like how you shouted on that. The only thing you can do with it is repent of it and cast it out. It doesn't mean you won't have any, that, it, that Ishmael won't attack after he's gone. It won't mean that, you, that people won't remember your Ishmael and throw it in your face. It, does, it doesn't mean any of those things. 
It just means that you have to put him out and come back to the promise of God. And you have to walk in it. And fair has nothing to do with it. God didn't make that mess. You did. You can cry grace unto it, and he'll give it. But you still have to stick with the promise. Church, that's where we're at. Our best days are ahead. But I got to tell you, there is nothing going to be easy about it. Nothing will be easy about God's plan. See, they, people think because God promised it, you believe it, and he's going to do it by the power of his spirit, that you just, it's just going to be easy. No, there will be nothing harder in the coming days. You won't be able to do it without his spirit. But in him, you'll be able to walk in power. Are you even hearing that? I began to come back to old-fashioned terms, Matt, lately. I know people in this room that know what they are. Sold out. Sold out. That's a, that's a big one. Prayed through. Church, look at me. Because I, 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 I see your heads drop. I see, I see all of that. And I, I never ignore it. If we don't become a praying people, none of this stuff will happen. If prayer bores you, if prayer bores you, see, prayer is hard. Prayer is hard. I'm not talking about now, now lay me down to sleep. I'm not talking about Lord bless this meal to the nourishment of our body. I'm not praying. I'm not talking about Lord keep me safe through the day as I go. I'm talking about when you get into a place of petition and travail and you begin to pray things through, which is where it's going to happen. Prayer is hard. But if prayer bores for you, you will never have the benefit of the power of God. It will you don't even have to concern yourself with it. You may walk in the room and feel his power that somebody else prayed for and paid the price for, but you will never have to worry about personally having the power of God and victory in your life. Don't even be concerned with it if prayer bores you. Oh, I know that's as frank as it can be, but it's also as biblically true and correct as anything that will ever be said from this pulpit. Do not expect victory in the things of God if you're not willing to pray. Because this kind comes not out but by prayer and by fasting. Whenever you go through the book of Acts when the church was born and you see the church in its early stages, everything they done was when they prayed. And every revival from the day of Pentecost till today that ever made any kind of difference on the face of this earth only has one thing in common. That's prayer. Some revivals were worshiping revivals that start. Some revivals were, were, were persecution revivals that started. Some revivals were preaching revivals they didn't even sing that started. Some they all of them have all different kind of aspects that, that one didn't look like the other. But every single move of God all the way back to the day of Pentecost was when people prayed. That's it. That's it. It's not by might, not by power, but it's by my spirit, says the Lord. That's where we're at. But I believe God. And I'm going to pray whether you do or not. But there's people that are praying. And we're seeing the power of it. And there's more people that are going. Hey, there's some people that will come to the prayer meeting late. 
And what I mean, I don't mean 10 after 5. I mean when God begins to move, that God will change their life. There's people whose lives are going to be changed because you prayed. And when their life is changed because you prayed, they're going to come and add their prayer to your prayer. And other people's lives are going to be changed because we prayed. And then when we pray, more and more people are going to come because we prayed. Their lives are going to get changed. And they're going to come pray. So I'm not after people that hadn't shown up to prayer meeting yet. I'm telling the people that are, be fervent. And I'm talking about being fervent every day of your life. Dad, if you've got more time to do everything in the world, I'm talking to dads. I'm going to talk to... I thought I was done. Play. It helps me. I'm going to get down here and talk to men for just a minute. Women, you can relax a second. Dads and husbands, you have advocated your duty. You are, you are called, whether we like it or not, whether the Western culture likes it or not. Jesus Christ is our covering. The father and the husband is the, the Bible says, that Paul's letter to the Corinthian church says that the husband is the head of the wife and the wife is the head of the children. And Christ is the head of all. That's scripture. I don't care if, who, who doesn't like it in Washington. I don't care who doesn't like it in this room. That's scripture. And men, whenever, whenever the fishing and the hunting and the baseball and the football and, and the, all those things, there's nothing wrong with any of it. I've done it all. I'm going, I'm going to have grandkids and we're going to do it all. In fact, we're trying to have our own team right off the bat. Right, right. <laughs> That's all Corey had to say. He said, we got half a team already. Don't hear, so don't hear me wrong. I'm not badgering you. But if there's no room for prayer in your life, your priorities are wrong. And your children and your wife and your household will suffer for it. Your wife can pray and that's good and it'll be, and it'll be fruitful. But there will be nothing more powerful than a family that falls in line with the Word of God. And men, it's high time that you put on your big boy pants and stop leaving it to your wife to do all the spiritual things and that they hear you and see you pray. And it is the priority in your family. Victory will come. You will be amazed. First, you're going to get the attack of the enemy because he's going to try to stop you. If you're an insomniac, start praying. You'll fall asleep. When you wake up, pray anyway. You ain't hearing me. Oh, it may, it may ruffle feathers, but it's still scriptural and it's still good preaching. And it's still what will bring revival. Men, stop it. I'm, I, I'm one of you, so I get to say it. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. There's more to being a good husband than to being, being a good provider. You better be a good provider because the Bible says that he that doesn't provide for his own is worse than an infidel. So you have, you have a biblical mandate to provide. But before you provide, you are the spiritual covering of your household. Now America is largely where it's at because of fatherlessness. Whether they're in the home or not. You can be down the hall and be just as absent as the, as the, as the guy that never met his child when they were born. Eighty percent of what's in the prisons didn't have a father. Sixty percent of what people that don't know if they're a boy or a girl. Oh, I can reel them off. It's because they don't have a father. Well, I didn't come to get you men, but I'm here. Lead your family. Well, I don't pray like you pray. Nobody, God never asked you to pray like anybody else. If you pray like a hick, if you talk like a hick with a southern accent and can't put two words together correctly that your English teacher, then God knows who you are. Pray like that. If you pray like a Yankee, like my wife, <laughs> pray like a Yankee. That he knows you. How else are you going to pray? As long as we're picking on it. Hey, if you pray like, like some of your favorite people, some of my favorite people are on the back row. If you pray like them, then pray like them. God knows who you are. I'm be, I'm just, this is real stuff tonight. Because you got all kinds of excuses not to pray. Pray. 
And then what we're really guilty of in the church is we talk so much about praying that we think we've prayed. Did you hear that? I mean, I'm telling you, that's true. We've talk, we talk so much about praying that we think we prayed. And we didn't. We talked about it. Hey, I don't mind if you pray in your bass boat. Just pray. Now, don't, now, you don't, now, hear me. I didn't give you your way out. He wants you to pray. Without ceasing. What that means, say, pray like your third monkey on the ark and it's starting to rain. Pray. 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 It's not by might. It's not by power. But it's by my spirit, says the Lord. Stop it with all the stupid religious church garbage and pray and fast seek his face so while we're at it you might as well come and let's pray